0: I wonder if that might be one of the takeaways here, is providing proper care for the counselor ourselves, that if you're not intentional about it, there's some other great ministry thing that's going to take the place of It's so true. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry?" What does it look like when Biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry or our ladies Bible studies or our men's ministries or the way leaders function together or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained or maybe who have been counseled but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Today we're joined by Pastor Garrett Higby, who's the president of Soul Care Consulting, to talk about how we as counselors can stay healthy as we lead and counsel. And Garrett, I just want to say at the beginning, I'm very thankful for you, for your friendship. Garrett has been coming to our Biblical Counseling Training Conference and teaching for us for decades now. He also serves in our seminary. And so I just couldn't say enough about all the different ways we've been able just to serve the Lord together. And it's great to have friends. It's just so great to have friends in ministry. And Garrett is one of those dear ones for sure. And it's also when Garrett talks that teaches me things. I'm looking forward, if this podcast never went anywhere, I'm just looking forward to this conversation for what I'm going to learn. But then the thought that perhaps this could somehow be used for someone else who will hear it, I'm really excited about that. So just, Garrett, thank you for taking the time to come and talk with us today. Can you talk to us just a little bit about the ministry that you're currently involved in so we have some level of context?
1: Sure, and thanks for that gracious introduction. I'm like you, wearing a few too many hats right now. So you mentioned one of them, Soul Care Consulting, which is really about helping leaders lead healthy and putting some resources out there for biblical counseling and small groups, things like that. But I also am a pastor at Harvest Church on the north side of Indianapolis with Brian White, and I'm building a soul care ministry there, trying to get that done and get somebody in my place in the next year so that I can just kind of do that as a volunteer in the future. Also part of the BCC with you on the board of the Biblical Counseling Coalition and love that ministry, love the men I serve with there. And Can I interrupt of, you? Is yeah. that possible, Garrett?
0: Because I want to be sure the listeners know
1: that, you know, when the Biblical Counseling
0: Coalition was started, it required some people who caught the vision right away and who had a desire to see stronger relationships built among various leaders in the biblical counseling movement and also to bring resources together. But it's hard to work together because we're all so busy. And Garrett was one of the first people who really caught that vision and was instrumental in the establishment of that organization. And I remember traveling with you to different places to talk to people about the possibility of making it happen. And so, that's something else that I just want to thank you for is being the kind of guy somebody has to go first. Yeah. You know, somebody has to go first and there's an example of how you did that because you value unity, people working together, learning from one another, synergy, collaboration and that's something I'm
1: always going to be thankful for you about. Thanks Steve, I was uh, first right behind you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and then I remember David Pollison who we both hold dearly. He and I talked and dreamed about this 15 Twenty years ago and just never thought it really probably would ever materialize. And then to just see it happen was awesome. That's the work of the Lord. And then Twelve Stones Ministries are near and dear to me. I'm on the board of that. And that's an intensive biblical counseling retreat. And it's been going on for 17, 18 years now. And I'm really excited to continue to work with them, doing some leader care type things next year. GCC is the Great Commission Collective. I do a day a week. I'm called their leader care specialist. I'm not sure what that is, but I do help pastors and wives on a regular basis and then the not the least faith seminary which I teach a advanced counseling course there and love it and love the just the hunger of the MDiv and MABC students and just they're all in so it's really fun to to do that as well.
0: You do have a lot of things uh, going too on many, my yeah, probably. <laughs>
1: So, so what are some of the lessons
0: that you've learned about counselors staying spiritually healthy? Whether that's true for you, whether yeah. that's true for all of us, can you impact that for us?
1: Yeah, so th- there's probably two words that are just really capsulating the whole thing for me. One is integrity and the other is sustainability. And we have to be, at, you know, whether biblical counselors know this or not, they lead people. So there has to be an integrity. In other words, they have to be able to model what they're teaching. They have to be whole in their relationship with Christ, and if they're not, they got to get that right pretty quick. And then the other is, how do I do that long term? Like, how do I keep doing this? I think of this verse in 1 Timothy four sixteen: Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this or by doing so you'll save both yourself and your hearers. I love that. It's obviously Paul speaking to Timothy and kind of encouraging him, but I think we can both see the application of that and the relevance of that in everything we do as well, because we're very word-based. We're very much just the private ministers of the word, and we have to really watch not just our doctrine, but even our lives. And I find that to be challenging, to be honest with you. And I've, I've learned a few things over the years. One, I need to be abiding. And it's, you know, so you and I know what that means. But to remain in, under, with Christ hmm. every day in a way that's so personal that it kind of comes out of my counseling, that's huge. I think of John 15. And I would say the opposite of that would be self-sufficient, which hmm. I tend to have a little bit of a problem with. Hmm. So I tend to, when I'm tired or maybe I feel like I just haven't had enough time in the Word, I'll just go to my experience. Hmm. And that's not great. It's not transformative. It it can still be helpful because we hopefully have some wisdom over the years, but it's not the same as depending on the Lord and bringing the sort of dependence of the Holy Spirit into the counseling room. And sometimes I think I'm conforming people to a set of principles more than transforming in my care and so that really scares me to be honest with you and I think what it does is it potentially puts you in a position of compassion fatigue or just burnout mm-hmm. because you start to rely on what you know instead of on the one who knows and so I would say that's probably number one for me is just this abiding. Can you tell me what, what you said
0: compassion
1: fatigue
0: Can you unpack that for us a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, lately you've probably been reading a lot about this secondary trauma or secondary stress that we get from people who are really hurting or really struggling. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I came out of that counseling session and I'm I'm not okay right now. I need to go get some, you know, I got to process that with somebody. I got to go pray with the Lord. I got to get back in the Word to anchor myself. Literally, I've had to do that. And one of the best things I've been able to do is find somebody that I consider a peer Hmm. and just go, hey, man, that that was a rough one. I just went through a three-day intensive, and there was abuse involved. There was, I don't know, some kind of really hard story that just kind of impacted me, and and I hope it does impact me to some degree, right? But at the same point, how am I processing that? How am I doing after that? And so whether it's going to prayer, which seems to be the best thing, to do. But the secondary thing is finding somebody that is like really a good friend to be able to confidentially discuss those things with in a way that processes it through and I can leave it at the cross. They can pray for me. I can move on.
0: That requires some authenticity, though, of acknowledging that that took something out of me and I need to work on re-establishing or strengthening back my relationship with the Lord before I move on to the next thing. So compassion fatigue, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things I teach, I do a healthy leader cohort, and so it's full, it's pastors and some, and their wives join for part of it, but it's mostly pastors and elders around the country. And one of the things I find that a lot of pastors aren't particularly good at is emotional intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're not going to give an invitation at the end of I, this podcast, I, are you? You know, if you want to come up front, <laughs> uh, we can get this exercise out of you. But um, the, um, the EQ is really fascinating. Think about it in two ways: one, my self awareness, and then how does my emotional health affect other people? In other words, you know, sometimes my wife's like, "Are, are you okay?" Mm. You know, or somebody's like, dude, you had a rough day, huh? You know, and it's kind of like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and if my if I'm not very aware of myself, I don't even know that I'm coming across that way. But if I'm self-aware, I'm going to go get with the Lord. I'm going to go get and talk to somebody or I'm going to ask somebody's forgiveness because I'm coming off a little snarky or whatever. And it's probably related to the kind of stuff I've been doing all day. I mean, this is... Counseling has occupational hazards to it, right? Yeah, it does. And if we don't acknowledge those, depending on the Lord and learning how to be in a cohort of peers that can walk through hard things with us, I think we're not going to be as sustainable.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That is powerful.
1: The other, so the spiritual, the emotional, and then I would say the relational. Steve, you, you may have experienced this as I have, it's You know, I tend, everywhere I go, I have trouble taking off the counseling hat or the pastor hat. And I think we have to do that. I think we have to look for life-giving and reciprocal relationships. Hmm. And if you have no peers, you're pretty lonely. Interesting. Um, So how do you develop confidants, not just allies? There's a lot of allies in ministry. But how do you find confidants? I have a group of eight guys that I consider confidants around the country. A couple of them are out of the country. And we talk on Zoom or by phone or by text pretty regularly. Really? Yeah, we really do. And it's been one of the best things I've ever... I didn't even mean to do it, to be honest with you. At first, it started out me mentoring these guys, and then they became really good friends, and now they're mentoring me sometimes.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, Is it formal? Do you have a certain time that you do that every month, or how does it work?
1: Once a month on a Monday, uh, usually about 10 in the morning, all the guys get online, almost all of them get on, and then we do a retreat. We've done a retreat down at Twelve Stones every year for probably seven or eight years with these guys. And they go, that's one of the best things. I look forward to that all year long. We just get very, I mean, we're all in the trenches, so we're real with each other in about five minutes. Hmm. And so to them, they would say it's very life-giving. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I needed this more than I thought as well. Hmm. So can you tell us, what are those, the, those Zoom calls? What are they like? They're very personal. We quickly we know each other, so we don't have to do a ton of catch up on the family or something like that. It's more like, how's your soul? Hmm. How's your heart? What's been hard this season for you? What can I be praying for? What are you excited about? What are you passionate about? What should we be doing together? Should we be, you know, going to a you know, like we actually plan to go to conferences together? We plan. There's a guy in Germany right now. We're all thinking about how to get over and see him hmm. once COVID settles a little bit so that cuz he's over there in an outpost and yeah. there's a guy in in Ontario as well that we re- really feel like he needs our support more and he's doing a great job there but he feels kind of alone and the rest of us are all here and so it's easier for us to get together i'll see some of them next week i'll see some, some of them this week so and then the the retreat that you do once a year what what is that like it's usually like 3 days and we actually do have some agenda to it but it's not like a big get-together kumbaya kind of thing it's more of a okay first we're going to unpack you know how we're doing personally and each guy might spend half an hour talking about his life where he needs some prayer where he needs some support and where things are going really well and then we take turns praying for each other there's a lot of prayer. We go on prayer walks with different guys. Different guys pair up during the day. There's some good free time to do that. We tend to do something fun, some kind of guy thing, you know, <laughs> in the evening. You know, Does it
0: involve bacon?
1: Uh, it could. Oh, there's often, yeah, I mean, the food is amazing. We actually bring somebody in and they cook us like steak and barbecue. It is crazy. Oh, it's wow. so good. That's, that makes a big difference. But we might just go do something together, watch an action movie or something. Then we get into sort of, you know, where do you think your ministry needs somebody to speak into it? Like, so we start, we look at each other's ministries. What have you learned? What could I be doing better? What could we be doing better in terms of impacting our church, our community, or the biblical counseling movement? And then we usually walk away with some action steps, and then somebody's holding us accountable to those.
0: Well... In order to have those monthly calls and in order to have an annual retreat like that you have to be intentional yep and and in order to do that you're having to say no to something else in order to say yes to that i wonder if that might be one of the takeaways here is providing proper care for the counselor ourselves that if you're not intentional about it, there's some other great ministry thing that's going to take the the place. It's of so
1: that. true. It's so true, that intentionality. I, I think it, we're stewards, right? We're we're just stewarding everything that's that God's giving us. And if we don't steward our own lives, and if we don't say, you know, what is best, not just what is good, but what is best right now, I think of that Philippians 1 prayer about, you know, knowing what is excellent, because mm-hmm. we're more and more loving to God and each other in a way that it gives us discernment to know what is excellent. And this is one of the excellent things I do. I would definitely tell you I can move some things for this because this is so life-giving and mutual. And then I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be the guy that's counseling in the counseling room and I don't have any friends. Yeah. I don't do life with people. I don't I'm not intentional. I don't have healthy rhythms. That's one thing we talk a lot about is we gave up on balance a long time ago. Hmm. We talk about healthy rhythms, whether they be time in the Word, time in prayer, fellowship, deep, intimate, life-giving fellowship. Those are all rhythms, rhythms of rest in ministry. And when do we Sabbath? One of the things we're all working on is what does it look like to take a Sabbath every week? Hmm. And every guy's kind of like, yeah, I can't say that's always happening. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It doesn't have to be a Sunday. Obviously, most of us are pretty busy on Sunday. So Monday or Friday, but you need to, and this could even, this call can be a part of that. Even you can rest in that way, but you're, you might be doing something, but you're not doing what you normally do.
0: Hmm. Very, very helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: What other lessons come to mind about just helping counselors stay healthy? The other thing I would say is we've got to think about counseling, not to counsel, but counseling to equip. Because if we don't share this ministry, because and you've taught me this, and others I have too, Bob Kellerman and many others, but we aren't trying to build a counseling department in the church. We're trying to build a church of biblical counselors. Mm-hmm. And in doing so... We need to be thinking, who else is watching me? Who else is learning? Mm-hmm. How do we give every person in the church sort of a job description to do the, live out the one another's? Mm-hmm. I literally wrote uh, a curriculum called Transform that teaches every believer how to speak the truth and love into other believers' lives. And then small group leaders are taught to do a transformative small group where they're really getting after each other's hearts and then coaches are taught to pour into the small group leaders so there's really not that much of a gap between leaderships or people pouring into other people because I've found that those gaps tend to be where we you know sort of fall through the cracks so as counselors i would say learn to counsel to equip learn to be somebody that leads a care team not just be doing one-on-one counseling. If you're doing it really well, why isn't somebody else watching and learning, right? right? Right. So I I would say that's part of it as well, not just taking care of your own soul, but beginning to, you know, it's kind of the trellis and vine kind of thing. You know, there's vine work to be done, but there's trellis work to be done. And the more we do that, the more we give away our experience and our dependence on the Lord and our ability to speak the truth and love, the more it seems that our waiting list is going down, and our people are getting excited about the Word, and uh, other people are getting a kind of front row seat to God's work.
0: You know, from Faith's perspective, when Bob Smith first heard about Competent to Counsel, and um, he contacted Jay Adams, he was a medical doctor, and he's contacting Jay Adams, and um, asked him some questions, this long before email or any easy way to contact, and so Jay said, listen, I'm just, I'm very busy right now. He had just bought, he and his family had bought a grist mill and they were transitioning it into a house in South Carolina. And so Bob Smith went down, he said, could I come down and help you on the house project if you'll tell me more about counseling? And so sure enough, that's what happened. And I've always pictured, I wish we had pictures of (laughs) Bob Smith and Jay Adams working on a house project together together. And Doc was ready to step out of his medical practice in order to become a pastor because he figured that was the best way for him to become a counselor. And Jay said, no, stay in your medical practice. We need a physician for sure, but go up to Chicago. My associate, John Bettler, is there getting his D in at the University of Chicago. Bettler will teach you everything that I know. And so that's what Bob Smith, along with Pastor Good and a few others, did. But the reason I bring that up is John Butler would not begin training them unless they started counseling immediately and they started training immediately and so the agreement before John Butler would even give them any lectures was they had to have a plan in place to start a counseling center and that it was a training center and so what you just said is so very important but that was part of the DNA from the very Mm -hmm. beginning is who are we training Mm -hmm. who are we multiplying teaching faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Amen. And boy, what you just said is really important, Garrett, because I, I've talked to a number of pastors, and they do feel tired. they just more and more counseling, more and more counseling, more and more counseling. And you're exactly right. One of the ways that we can provide care for counselors is constantly training, sharing the load. And I wonder sometimes even for myself, maybe it's a point of pride of thinking, well, I'm the only one who can do this, and so I have to bear the whole load. That's really not true, and the Lord will bring us to an end of ourselves pretty quickly if we believe that. Yes,
1: and I think for that sustainability piece, you start to, you know, at least at our age, you begin to realize you're not all that, and you also realize that there's a lot of people that would give a lot to sit with you and learn mm-hmm. and what how arrogant would it be to not you know humbly just share and have case wisdom conversations and sit in with people and have them sit in with you i'm not big on having observers i tend to invite people into counseling to participate so whether it be an hmm. apprentice or an advocate they tend they pray they hang out with the people before and after it hmm. doesn't feel staged uh-huh. it just feels like a community caring for that couple or that individual hmm. And that has been probably one of the best things i've ever done is adding community into my counseling in a way that's discreet but not completely private in the sense of there's community in the room, but everybody in the room is there to help the person or the people who are hurting and everybody there leaves it in the room when they step away.
0: Yeah. You know, that helped me because I'm not sure that I've been as proactive as bringing observers more into the community and you're right. You could take some simple steps Mm -hmm. in order to make that happen and that would make it more
1: just authentic all the way around. It does, and people. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember going into counseling at one time, and there were a couple of guys sitting behind me, learning, and I'm like, "This is freaky." Yeah. Um, and I remembered, I do not want to ever do that again. So it's mm. more like people sitting side by side. Everyone can see each other. Everybody knows each other's names. Everybody knows they're going to get prayed for. I often will lean on the apprentice or the advocate. To speak into a certain thing on their own life, give their own testimony, Hmm. and it just levels the whole thing. You know, all the ground at the cross is level, right? So all of a sudden, nobody in there feels like they're the identified patient, and everybody's just learning together. Everybody knows their role, but the counselors just don't feel like they're in a fishbowl.
0: Very interesting. What about resources for people who are saying, you know what? I'm going down a trail here, I'm going to burn out unless I change some things. What are some resources that you would recommend?
1: Remember, I mentioned that rhythms. So there's a book by a guy named Miller called Your Life in Rhythm. If you look up Your Life in Rhythm, you Google that, that'll pull right up. And that book has kind of debunked Balance and helped people think about rhythms, which I think is much more sustainable. Lead by Paul Tripp. Paul has been a good friend for years of the biblical counseling movement, friend of mine, and he's written a couple books: "Dangerous Calling" and "Lead." I often have pastors and even counselors reading that because there's so many. Like Paul, just has this ability to point out something that could be happening that you didn't even know and you're hmm. like, Oh boy, I better get after that. Reset by David Murray has been a good book for people who are just like, Okay, wait a minute, my priorities are off. Hmm. Something's not working in ministry. How do I get back to a healthy lifestyle? And then Leading on Empty by Wayne Codoro or Codero, I never can say his name right. He's written a couple books. I wouldn't agree with everything these authors say, but some of the things they say are profound, and they're mm. usually speaking from experience. Resilient Ministries was a book by Burns, Chapman, and Guthrie. These guys took like 15 years of pastoral experience and boiled it down to five key elements that will help you to lead healthy and mm. thrive in a pastoral ministry. Found that to be super helpful. The Emotionally Healthy Leader, Peter Sacaro. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right either, but he has written several books. Again, some parts are super helpful, some parts, you know, I, I'm one of those people I try to read more widely, mm-hmm. but then with a biblical lens of, okay, what about that is scripturally mm-hmm. appropriate or helpful, but also what about it is maybe not. So I would just say some of those. that I mentioned Trellis and Vine. I think that counselors have to think beyond just counseling. I think they need to think, how am I building into the church? How am I building a network or a team that is not just someplace where people go when they're really hurting, but I'm actually helping other ministries in the church to equip their best frontline leaders to do soul care in the mix of discipleship. And so I think of... Uh, us being a little bit beyond just getting really good at the art of counseling but being part of a bigger picture in the church.
0: Hmm. Any other comments you want to make before we wrap this up about what we need to be considering regarding just spiritual health of the counselor?
1: Yeah you know again I, I would come back to you know being really honest about how you're doing spiritually with the Lord on a regular basis. These rhythms can be daily, weekly, monthly. Hmm. So daily, am I in the word for myself? Am I drinking from the well? Am I abiding in the vine daily? Am I on a weekly level? Am I spending some time with my spouse talking about how we're doing? And Tammy and I go on prayer walks three to five times a week, Hmm. and that has revolutionized our intimacy with God and each other. Hmm. And so we don't really like, we go out there, you know, I'm in Indiana in February. So, I mean, we, we have no excuse. We still, we don't care how cold it is. We put our snow gear on. We go out there and pray. And it's just, we pray for our neighbors. We pray for our church. We pray for our kids. We pray for our marriage. It's been uh, life transforming for us. The other thing we've done is we started doing biblical counseling in groups. So we have a thing called freedom groups. When we implemented freedom groups in the church, our waiting list got cut quite a bit huh. because we would say people who have moderate levels of struggle mm-hmm. really do well. Not high level, not you know low level can be done in regular small groups, but this moderate level of I'm struggling with a sin issue that just keeps coming back and I hmm. just need some help and hope. I've got a suffering thing, a trial, an enduring hmm. struggle because of somebody I've associated with or something that happened to me, and I just need to be able to really sort out how to suffer well. Or I've got gospel amnesias, as Paul Tripp would call it, and I'm not really feeling the exhilarating Christian life. I'm not growing like I should. Those people thrive in these group settings, and we have just seen amazing things happen in a 13-week curriculum. So I would encourage... Counselors to be creative. Yeah. How do I not be the guy? Mm-hmm. How do I not have a waiting list outside the door? What can I do to create new ways mm-hmm. to address issues? I think that cohort thing would be the other. It's like, do I have friends? Do yeah. I have confidants? Is there somebody I can call and just unpack this with because they know mm-hmm. the context? I don't have to explain what biblical counseling is. I don't have to explain what a hard day was in ministry. Who is that person for me? So those would be just things I would encourage.
0: Well, hey, thank you very much, Garrett, for talking to us today. I've learned a lot. I have been challenged, and I know the folks who are going to listen to this will be as well. So thank you for your life. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for all you do, Steve.
0: You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org, or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.